Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Kubik. So we're still in 1 Peter, but we're finally in chapter 2. So nine, nine sermons in, nine lessons in, and, and we're going to start chapter two. So what did we talk about last week? Does anybody remember? I'm going to get straight into this thing. Anybody remember? I bet it was the last part of First Peter chapter one, right? <laughs> right. We are, we are, we should love others as we are loved, Right. And so when we receive Christ Jesus, who died because he loves us and gave his life for us, we should love other people in that same way. Amen? Our whole nature should change. It's not in our nature to, to not love. We talked about how, how our nature is one thing, but God gave us something else, something more significant. He gave us his spirit, which is love. God is love, therefore his spirit must also be love, and that spirit living inside of us, we should be loving people. We should be people who walk out love. Amen? This is what we're born of. We're born of love. And so Peter, having come out of that, starts by talking about, in verse, verse 23, which we talked about last week, he says, For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring word of God. And so you've been born of love. You've been born of the word of God. This seed is imperishable. It is not destroyed. It will be eternal. Nothing in it will ever change. The truth that is in it is absolute truth. And so he's saying here in verse or chapter 2, verse 1, he says, therefore, because we've been born of a new nature, love through the imperishable word, then we should, as newborn babies, absorb the word. We should be a people of the word. So we love, we receive, or God loved us, we receive the nature of love, and because we receive the nature of love, we are born of the word, the gospel message. We are born through the gospel message, the presentation of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so, we are to be responsible or respond to the living, enduring word that saved us. My question today, and I'm going to ask it several times probably, is how often... Do you respond to the word of God that you have access to? I've seen, we had the Gideons in here this weekend, whose sole and primary purpose is to distribute the word of God across the world. And I've seen some of the videos in China and other countries where they're unboxing Bibles and they, they hold them. And they're, they're just overwhelmed that they get to hold the word of God. And they smell that. I've seen a video. There's a video of an, of an unboxing where they take it as quickly as they can. First, they all rush the box, the crate that has Bibles in it. 
and each one gets passed out a Bible, and they, they grab it, and they, they hold it tight to their chest like somebody's going to take it from them. And in fact, in that situation, in that region, somebody's very likely to. But they understand the value of the Word, and so they hold it close, and they love it, and they, you can see them, and they, they're smelling it. And they're kissing it, and they're holding it against their face. Could you imagine loving something so much? Many of us love our children this way, our grandchildren this way. When we grab a hold of them, when we can see them, we, we grab them and we pull them in close and, we, and we, we might even shed a tear because of the overwhelming love that we have for, for our kids and our grandkids. Imagine having such a passion for the Word. Imagine having such a desire for the Word. This is the enduring Word of God. The seed by which, according to this word, you were saved. Do you love the word? I, I'm going to try to stay on track here. <laughs> you know, you prove your, lo your love for the word by your love for people. I want to tell a story. I'm actually going to tell a story. I'm going to read you something. I wasn't planning on doing this, but I think it's important. I got a text message, or not a text message, a Facebook thing this week where somebody responded to something I posted. The lady's name, she's not here. She's usually here on Wednesday nights. Her name's Billy Ballou. Miss Billy, if you're watching, you said I could share it, so here goes. <laughs> I received this message three days ago. Pastor Jim and Angela, thank you first of all for all the love you showed our congregation. Your messages keep me on the edge of my seat. Sometimes they have really hit home, but for the first time in my 74 years, I am learning and reading my Bible and learning how to really pray and talk to God. I choose to drive past lots and lots of churches very close to my home, to come to Lebanon to Launch Point Church. My husband asked, why can't you find a place closer to home? I feel so part of something very exciting here. I am so thankful to be able to call you my pastor and look forward to getting to know you and your lovely wife better. I feel more sincere love in Launch Point Church than I have ever felt in a church before. Did you catch that? I look forward to being a part of Launch Point. And even at my age, I can't wait to be able to help in whatever capacity I can. So both of you, always feel free to ask me to help in any way. I'm there to serve as well as receive, so thank you for being there for all of us. She wrote this letter to me. She wrote this response to Angela and I. She's writing it to you guys, though, because I, I am just a mouthpiece for what God has called us to do. Why do, why do I tell you this story? Because what we do has to be motivated by love. And love will always draw people to the word. But I, want, I, I do it for another reason. Because that love didn't, that she's feeling didn't start in this room. The, the, the love that most of you feel in this room didn't start in this room. It started with a conversation with someone that had been in this room. Someone that 
love them enough to tell them about the God that is present, the Spirit of God that is present in this room and so many other churches across our, our city. Miss Billy started going first to a Bible study run by Bill and Patricia Wolfenberger through relationship. And in that relationship and in that trust, she was invited to come here. And in being invited to come here, she found love that after 74 years caused her to open her word. Do you understand the significance of that? What I'm trying to say is, what happens in this church ain't all that's happening in this church. It's a very small piece of what's supposed to happen in this church. This is, this is the practice field. I've told you guys that. This isn't the game. You showing up, you're not getting a trophy for showing up. This is the basic of what the basis of what you do. You're getting a trophy for going out there and telling people about Jesus. This just happens to be where the weight room is. This happens to be where you run your sprints to see whether you're qualified for the offensive line or defensive line, or maybe you're the water boy. But you've got a responsibility to be trained here so that you might work out there. Why do I say, I, I guess I've gotten off track, but I say that to say, it's by the love that God has placed in us that we grow a love for the Word. And a love for the Word will always grow a love for people. This is our responsibility. This is what we're called to be. The Word is imperishable, which means it's eternal. It's always going to last. It is the Word that has saved us. And so we should express a strong desire for the Word. I'm going to sound like a broken record today. But it makes me sad because I know that the majority of Bibles in Christians' homes stay unopened from Sunday at noon till Sunday at 10 or whenever they show up for church the next week. I told you guys the other day, I got 20-something Bibles at my house. This is the only one I use. But I have, a, I have a love for this word, and I don't tell you I have a love for the word to make myself look good, but because I, I want you to have the same love for the word. I spent, so this Bible was given to me by my pastor the day he ordained me. And so this, this particular Bible is important to me. For it's got sentimental value also, I guess is what I should say. But let me tell you, inside of this Bible are my notes of the revelations of things that God has shown me the reality of. Not any new revelation, because the Word is what it is, but revealed the Word into me to me in such a way that I was able with my simple, simplistic mind to understand it. And so I write notes down. If you ever read my Bible, half of it wouldn't make sense to you because it was just a piece of a piece of something that God revealed to me in my prayer time or my study time. And I've read this Bible and I've studied this Bible and I've meditated on this Bible until the cover was literally falling off of it. And then I spent 350 bucks putting a new cover on it. This, let me tell you about my Bible, man. This isn't just a book. This is the living, breathing Word of God. And so... Angela, I love my wife. She's very supportive. So she allowed me to spend the money to, to rebind what was a 
probably a $60 Bible with a $350 cover. This thing's hand-stitched. It's, it's some kind of leather they don't, they don't make anymore. Like there was, was the last run of it. I got the last piece of it. He did this cool stuff on the side of it. Stamped my name on it. Why do I do that? Not so I can walk in here and be all, look at my Bible. I look at it because I, I, I did it because I, I love the feel of my Bible. I love the smell of my Bible. I love the heart of my Bible. And I want you to have that same heart. So maybe if I show you enough times how much I love mine, it'll cause you to go, man, maybe I should love mine like that. Or maybe you already do. Maybe I'm watching you. And I'm just trying to love the Bible like you love your Bible. But we should, we should express a desire for the Word. Job 23.12 says, I have not departed from the command of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. You ever been in a place where you just, you were so hungry you couldn't wait to get home and eat? How awesome would it be if you woke up and you, and you, you longed after your devotion time that way? Man, if I don't get home, give me something to eat, I'm going I'm to starve to death. Let me tell you, if you don't get home and get something to eat, you're going to spiritually starve to death. Psalm 1-2 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, which is man of God. His, his delight should be in the light of the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. I think that's beautiful, because I can relate to these writers. I find joy in the word. I want you to find joy. In the, I know I'm saying I a bunch, but I'm just trying to be the example to you today. I'm not trying to get some great theological point other than I want you to love your word because I find joy in mine. I can relate to these guys. I can remember being too tired to take another step. But because I knew the word, because I... I knew where to find it. I knew if I turned to Isaiah 41.10, regardless of how tired I am, I can look at Isaiah 41.10 and says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. You're too tired? The powerful, mighty hand of God says that he will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Why is the word important? Because when I can't take another step, this truth is real to me. Why is the word important? Because I've been in a place where I've prayed and prayed and prayed and the words feel like they're hitting the ceiling and then nobody's listening. It's the verse out of 1 John chapter 5 that I read, that I quote to you guys all the time. This is the confidence that we have. I go to that, and I go, this is the confidence that I have. In parentheses, even though it doesn't feel like anybody's listening to me, this is the confidence that I have, that anything I ask according to the will of God, He hears me. And because He hears me, I have what, we've asked, what I've asked for. It doesn't matter if I feel like He's listening. It doesn't matter what you feel like, period. 
The truth is in no way affected by your feelings. I've walked in this room in 2017 after receiving a phone call certain that I was I was I was very likely to die. I got that phone call. I, I started walking around here and I I started just thinking and meditating on the word and Psalms 139.16 in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. And I start thinking, I start meditating on the word and I, I, I'm walking around and I'm, I'm literally like, man, I, at that time I was 45, 46 and I'm walking around and God, how, how can this happen? And then it dawns on me. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Because the word says before I lived my first day, God knew how many days I would have. And I got, to, I, got, I got to come to a place where I realized that because of that, I don't have to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't have to worry about death. I don't have to worry about any of those things. Because God has given me an assignment, and praise God, I've been blessed to fulfill every assignment that God's ever given me. I'm the only person I know, the only person I've ever known, that has never applied for a job. I've been recruited into every job that I've ever had, and I've never had a job I didn't want. Ain't that awesome? And then this one. It doesn't get any better than this. Some of y'all, man, I'd be terrified. Oh, I'm terrified. Because let me tell you, if you get the word wrong, you should be terrified. But I take comfort. I want you to know that the desire for the word produces comfort. It doesn't matter if your prayers don't say, feel like they're being answered. They're being answered. It may be a not yet or stand by or a no but they're being answered I give 10,000 praises for the no's that I've gotten in prayer and if you reflected on it you would too but all of these things are so important because the word is enduring what am I trying to do I'm just trying to show you and ask you do you love the word have you read it enough have you hidden it in your heart enough so that when you're too tired, when your prayers aren't being answered, when you're truly facing even the possibility of death, that you can go, it's all right because my God's bigger than this problem. My God heard my prayer. My God's bigger than death. I, sh I, I won't taste or there will be no sting to death for me. I say this at funerals, but it's a confidence that I have that that God eyes our death like a grandfather staring at a delivery room door. Like he can't wait to get his hands on that baby. And when you have a confidence like that, which is only found by understanding, knowing, and reading the word of God, it truly gets no better than that. Amen. I want you to read your word. I want you to love the word of God. I want you to have a desire 
for the word as Peter had a desire for the word and recommended that we do too. In 1 Peter 1 through 3, he says, Therefore, since we have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable, that is through the living and enduring word of God. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Amen. And so he was saying, listen, you guys, you guys need to pay attention and, and long and desire for the word. He's saying exactly what I'm saying. But he tells us first that we need to be capable of receiving the word. Hey, it's, it's, it'd be great, man, if I could just come and say, hey, y'all need to read your word. And then get all emotional for a minute and tell you all the reasons why I trust the word. But you need to be capable of receiving the word. Because this is a spiritual book. And Peter tells us two ways in this text how to be capable of receiving the word. Do you guys want to be able to receive? I guess that's the question I should ask. Do you want to have a greater revelation of God? Do you want to have the confidence that I've talked about? Then Peter tells us two ways in these three verses that we make ourselves capable of that revelation. Number one, the first thing he says is in order to receive the word, we have to put off relational sin. He says here in verse 1, Therefore, putting aside all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. You want to be able to receive the word, man? You better make sure nothing's standing you between, between you and the God that is the word. You have to love right. Remember, he's, it, it seems like the word, always go, the word always goes back to love. It's so simple. If we could just love each other. If we could set down this envy and this strife, notice these are all relational sins. These are sins committed against the brothers. Do you envy the person that's next to you? Do you just wish you had what they had? Are you jealous of them? Do you walk in hypocrisy towards them? There's nothing better, man, because I know y'all. There's nothing better knowing that this guy, I'm going to point way over here so I don't accidentally point at somebody, that this guy has a problem with this guy, but every time they meet in the middle of the room, they're all like, hey, bro, what's going on? Look at Sharp today. I love you, baby. Lord loves you, too. Then they get home over dinner. I hate that dude walking around here all ignorant like he knows something. That's hypocrisy in a word. Can I tell you, most people that get hurt in a church are hurt due to hypocritical love. They said they would love me. And they lied to my face. How can you love someone else if you don't let the love of God reside in you? I feel like I'm going to give a whole nother love sermon. But that's okay. Because there's only two laws anyway. But we have to be able to set aside those relational sins. We have to put aside the old self, which means strip ourselves of those nasty, funky things that we used to be a part of. Notice that it says all three times in this text, in this one verse. It says putting aside all malice, all deceit, 
and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. One of the things about interpreting Scripture <coughs> is they'll tell you, look for the repeated words. If you want to know what a brother's trying to say, look for repeated words and themes. If I had to pick out a theme in verse 1, you know what it would be? You don't get to keep none of that. As plain as I can say it. I just want to hold on to a little bit of it. All of it. All malice. All deceit. All hypocrisy. All envy. All slander. Well, I'm just going to talk about them a little bit. I don't expect to receive revelation from the Word, you're not. We have to set aside, strip off those soiled garments, move, as we talked about this weekend, move out of the futility of our mind, the uselessness that we walked around in, and put on the new self. This is what we're called to. Jesus even prayed it in John 17. If you've never done a John 17 study, man, go to John chapter 17 and just, you want to know what prayer ought to look like, man, read John 17 until, until you have it memorized and then read it some more. In John 17, Jesus is praying. He says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. You want to know how you get rid of all that relational sin? Sanctify yourself with the truth. Because let me tell you, that sin and that truth aren't going to exist in the same space. If I turned all the lights off in here, it'd be black as night. I turn all the lights on, it's going to be as light as it is in here right now. Those things can't exist. If I turn all the lights on, half this room ain't going to be dark. When we sanctify ourselves of all of that, the light comes in and we receive revelation because we've set down those relational sins. What's standing between you and your brother? And I'm not talking about just the people in this room, although Peter was writing to the church. I'm talking about where do you have relational sin? And have you asked God to forgive it? Because that's what we're called to do, to purify ourselves, sanctify them by the truth, which means to purify them. Set them aside to God, for God. That's a hard prayer for me to pray, man. Because I don't like some of y'all. <laughs> I just play. I love all y'all. But that's a hard prayer to pray. Not the, not the let me love you. That's, that's actually pretty easy. But the sanctify me for you, by you. I want to fill my own cup up with my own stuff. Bad juju happens. Bad things happen when you take the instruments of the temple and use them for unholy purpose. It's all fun and games till you end up with some writing on the walls. I, I'm not going to get in that Bible story, but trust me. That's the first thing we need to do to receive the word. The second thing we must do is focus on the kindness of the Lord. Verse 3, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, if is a conditional statement, 
it's, it's probably more aptly read, or it's just as aptly read as since you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. <laughs> Desire the word because you, you know who God is. Because you've tasted his goodness. How many of you guys have tasted the goodness of God? Like you just know that he was there in the, the worst part of your life. The biggest struggle of your life. Man, if I think about all that stuff, I'll be honest with you. The greatest, the greatest thing that God, the greatest goodness, kindness that God could have extended to us was His Son, Jesus. If He didn't do anything else for us, that's, if you'll just focus on that kindness, you'll realize how beautiful and valuable you are to God. You know how you realize what that kindness looks like? Studying the Word. It's a cyclic pattern, really. I study the Word. I put off relational sin. I put off relational sin. I begin to see the kindness and the goodness of God, which drives me back to the Word. And then I purify myself with the truth. And then I recognize the goodness of God, and it drives me to the Word. And the Word drives me to more purification. And more purification drives me to, to reflect on how good God is. And our life should be this constant, just cyclic, man, God is good. Let me study the Word. Oh, God, man, I messed up right there. I need to get that out of my life. Oh, you got that out of my life. You're so good. Let me get back to the Word see where else I messed up. It's simple, right? It's almost too simple. I feel stupid for saying it. You guys already know that. But do we, do we, do we live it? Have we moved it the 18 inches from our head to our heart? Which is the greatest span of distance on earth. Do you recognize the kindness of God and the grace that he's shown you? In the love that he's shown you? The patience that he has shown you? you we realize, right, that God is long-suffering. Everybody's phone's going off because we just got an Amber Alert or something. So it's okay. You can look at it. If your phone just buzzed, it's, it's an Amber Alert. And so I only know that because I had my phone out for my Facebook read a minute ago. So, but the long-suffering of God. And I praise God for his long-suffering. You know how many times I've had to get re-saved? Right? I'll be facetious, of course. Do you know how many times I had to go to the throne of God? Say, God, I know you've forgiven me for this already. But I told you a thousand times I'd never do that again. But I've done it. I've done it again. You know what God says? Okay. I don't want you to sin anymore. But when you ask for forgiveness of sin, I'm faithful to forgive you. And then not just forgive you. But according to that same text, restore you back to righteousness. Because he could forgive you and still hold a grudge against you. He could forgive you and just not have anything to do with you. You guys have anybody in your life that you've forgiven them, you just don't really want anything to do with them. You got no hate or malice or any of that. You just written them off. 
They're just non-existent in your universe. He could have forgiven us, and we could still be non-existent in his universe, but he didn't do that. He also established righteousness in us, gave us right standing before him. And that's so good. That's the God that we serve. And that should drive us to the word. His sovereignty, I could go on. I can look back and think, I should have been dead right then. I should have been dead right then. I should have been dead right then. How many of you guys can walk through the timeline of your life and go, yep, oh, yeah, yeah, God saved me that day. God saved me that day. Because God's hand is sovereign. And according to the word, he has the number of your days planned before you lived the first day. That's so good. So that's what I want us to do. I want us to understand that our love, the love that saved us, should drive us to the one that saved us, which is found, freed by his own spirit within the word of God. Study it. Meditate on it. Read it. Find a devotional plan and discipline yourself to read the Word of God. It might just be two minutes a day, but you know what? I promise. Two minutes a day will turn into five minutes a day. Five minutes a day will turn into 30 minutes a day. You know, I'll, t- I'll tell you a quick story about myself. When I first got saved and we started tithing, we started tithing 10% because that's what tithe is. It literally means 10%. And I can remember thinking to myself, man, God's really blessed us in our tithe. I can't find any scriptural basis for what I'm about to tell you other than it works. God really blessed us for our tithe, which I can't find scriptural basis for that, just so you know. As all, if God blessed 10% of my money, I wonder what he'd do with 10% of my time. And so I made a decision years ago. Two and a half hours a day, I'm going to study and read the Word of God. People ask me all the time, how'd you get from guy sitting in a seat not caring about Jesus to associate pastor at a church of 4,000 in six years? Because God blessed my time. That which may have taken a lifetime to achieve, God redeemed all that time that I wasted and gave it back to me because I was faithful to be in the Word. Pastor Rick, I've asked him, many of you know Pastor Rick was my mentor, is my mentor. We still talk. He still tells me how stupid I am. <laughs> right, amen. I get it. And he still, so he still tells me that. But I asked him some years ago, I said, why? Out of all the people that you could have been spending time with. Because at the time, there were probably 100 people in your Sunday school class or something. And he said, because you had a desire to know the word. Amen? Know the word. Read the word. Meditate on the word. Meditate just means think about it. I told somebody earlier today and, and posted it on Facebook. Meditation is this. Meditating on the Word 
is being so confident in what the Bible says that you're willing to go to the throne room of God, face the author, and quote that back to him in confidence. That's a pretty big deal. I would, I'd be nervous about doing that with a famous author. Hey, on page 62, your book says such and such. And that author would be super excited. Imagine how excited God is when you go to the throne room after having meditated on his word and say, God, I have confidence that this is true. And he goes, that's good. That's exactly what it says. Amen. Desire the word. And I'll leave you with that. Desire the word.